What happens when two bass road warriors spend quality time talking music and life with one of their peers? Find out every Monday at 8 on Notes from an Artist. Bassist educator author David C. Gross and bassist and head honcho of KnowYourBassPlayer.com, Tom Semioli, trade dates with the legends of rock, jazz, funk, blues, folk, country, and more. Notes from an Artist. Revealing conversations with the legends who've created the soundtrack of our lives. Every Monday at 8 on CygnusRadio.com. And check out previous episodes on our podcast. Notes from an Artist.Buzzsprout.com. Welcome to another edition of Notes from an Artist. Tonight, we're going to be broadcasting part two of our incredible interview with Chris Parker, playing lots of music, talking about lots of things. So along with my co-host, Tom Semioli, let's get into part two, our discussion, our conversation with Chris Parker. This is Notes from an Artist on CygnusRadio.com. Bob Dylan, I didn't know what to expect. It was a total surprise. You know, G.E. Smith, Saturday Night Live, said, would you be interested in doing this? And I said, sure. And um, started working with him. And only then did I really appreciate what a genius he is. You know, and I never appreciated the poetry, never appreciated the lyrics. And so I started to listen to the lyrics and I got myself a, a copy of his lyric book and started to read the poetry apart from the music. And I was just knocked out. What a great poet he is and what great songs he's written and continues to write. Working with him live was a was unbelievable experience. Same thing. I mean, we, he never said, you know, play this or play that, or I want this kind of feel or that kind of feel. It was always just trying to suss out by watching him and listening to him what I should play. That was some rock-solid drumming by Chris Parker, our guest tonight, on a Bob Dylan live track. I think that was Toronto, and that was in 1992. His tune was Memphis Blues Again. This is Notes from an Artist, CygnusRadio.com. I do do research other than those three. You know, I've done yeah. a lot of research for whoever. John Cicada I had never met before. I only knew that hit. And the album I did with him that won a Grammy was uh, his Latin stuff. That was Entre Quattro, John Cicada from his Grammy Award winning record, Amor. And that had, of course, our guest, Chris Parker on drums. Notes from an artist, CygnusRadio.com. I didn't know what to expect, but I was totally into it. And he was a wonderful guy, wonderful guy to work with. And the band was great. But anybody that calls me, I want to know where they're coming from, what their last record was, or what, what they're into currently, or all that stuff. Yeah, I do as much research and listening before working with the person as I can. And whatever information I can get from them, you know, MP3s and the charts and any hints on the, the feel, all that stuff is very valuable. You know, it's interesting. We've talked uh, to discuss the Bob Dylan with three of his bass players, Kenny Aronson, Rob Stoner, and uh, Tony Garnier. And it's always, how do you tell where Dylan is in the song? Now, Stoner said, I looked at his lips. Now, Rob used to sing on the mic with him so he could see Dylan's lips. Kenny and Tony said to watch his right heel. That's where he keeps time. So that's where you knew where he was. <laughs> I watched his butt. You watched his ass. Okay. <laughs> you know what just dawned on me? Can you imagine if Bob Dylan came out today and some producer says, hey, I think we should auto-tune. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? Uh, before you got on, uh, Tom and I were talking about Johnny Cash, uh, Bob Dylan, folks like that who's Tom Waits. They're not your 
standard vocal. Yet to do anything to change that would be really uh, kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's funny you mention that, David, because uh, you guys should look. There's a mashup somewhere of John Lennon singing Imagine and Bob Dylan singing uh, Blowing in the Wind and Simon boots them off American Idol. So they mashed up the video. So go definitely go uh, <laughs> check that really out. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of YouTube, ubiquitous YouTube, you look back over your career, Chris, and, and the album was such an important format. And now we live in a Spotify, Amazon Music streaming world. Do you think the, and you've made albums under your own name, of course, you're a band leader as well. Is the album format relevant in the 21st century? Well, yeah, I think it is. It's coming back from the damage done in the uh, late 70s and early 80s when record companies were trying to make as much money as they could and they would give a deal to the artists and then give a deal to the guys in the band so that every guy who was in this famous band did his own solo album and not everybody I mean some people did but not everybody had enough material to sustain an album so the public including myself stopped buying albums bought the single instead they're well there's two good tunes on this album do I want to own the whole album that happened over and over again they it's, it's a shame because record companies also stopped investing in artists. You know, let's see what Robert Palmer is going to do next on his next album. What's he going to explore here? Let's see what um, this artist is going to do the next time they have, you know, 12 songs to do or 10 songs to do. That was the best of both worlds. Robert Palmer from his Double Fun album. And that's with Chris Parker on drums. This is Notes from an Artist, CygnusRadio.com. And it's a shame because that was the thread of creativity you know that that each artist needs to pursue to to be relevant but i think it's it's come back to a great degree in the in the 2020s you know that albums are more important it's good to listen to a whole album uh i just got dave holland's new album yeah. and it's just him and um kevin eubanks and uh the drummer is obed cavalier if that's how you say his name it's fascinating from track to track because it's just the three guys and they each brought in tunes and stuff. Listen to the album in the car on my way to Watertown. <laughs> and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's a whole mood, track to track. That was Dave Holland's new release, Another Land, with the tune gentle warrior this is notes from an artist cygnusradio.com and there's other artists doing the same kind of thing especially in jazz where they have 70 minutes or 65 minutes to to do something and they really explore the uh, full range of expression ballads and up things and funk things and christian mcbride is is great at that you know big band it's amazing and his solo albums are amazing and he, right he does electric jazz he does it all man. yeah and djs you know he's a he's a great DJ, uh, total immersion, you know, total music immersion, which is great. That's good. That's the kind of artist you want to stick with and buy his next next record and the one after that, you know, to see what he's going to do next. That was the Christian McBride big band doing Up Jump Spring. This is Notes from an Artist, CygnusRadio.com. And what about the records under your own name, the Chris Parker Trio, Toff and the Pussycats? That was Chris Parker's band under the nom de plume, Toff and the Pussycats, and that was a tune called Pussyfoot. This is Notes from an Artist on CygnusRadio.com. What type of band leader are you? I mean, obviously you you worked under some on some of the greats. So what happens when, when Chris Parker's in the band leader uh, chair? <laughs> <laughs> well, most recently, the Chris Parker Trio album is all my material except right. for uh, do one monk tune let's cool one but we do it as calypso and bassist amin salim named it calypso uh, <laughs> and it came out great i haven't put it out yet 
still mixing it and got to master it, get it ready to stream. I was even thinking about doing vinyl because it is uh, trying to be that. You know, here's 10 tunes that explore full range of, of my personal expression, different styles and different feels and things that I wanted to write a song about, write a tune about. That was the Chris Parker Trio from a recording done in 2015. That was a song called We'll Meet Again. And while we await his new release, I thought it would be a great idea to play one of the tracks from this recording. Once again, it's Notes from an Artist on Cygnus Radio. So I'm a band leader that that thinks in terms of uh, composition and and I always make the analogy to painting, you know, because I went to art school and I still paint. And for me to really like something, it has to be a successful painting. You know, it's got perspective, it's got texture, it's got representation, it's got um, meaning in it, it's got emotion in it, it's got all these things that make a painting good. And hopefully my music does that as well. It's got vision and perspective and a texture that's palpable. And hope- if I'm successful, you know, other people say, oh, that, that's a nice tune. That's a cool composition. So as soon as you get something, please let us know. I will indeed. And how about, the, Chris, the temperament of being a band leader? Because now you're a baseball coach, you're a psychologist. Do you uh, let the players run free in the studio and on stage? Or do you kind of like map out their parts or give them direction? How, how do you, how's the temperament? How, how is it working in the Chris Parker band? By the time they're in the band, I've already deduced that these are the people I want. The personality okay. and that they're receptive to to my suggestions, however subtle they may be, and that they're going to bring their creativity to the project. And with Kyoko Oyobe, the pianist, and Amin Salim, the bassist, I say very little. That's great. I love I love the way you're doing that. I love your approach. You know, keep doing that. I think the only thing I said to Amin about uh, the Monk tune was, I'd, I want to do it as Calypso. He said, cool. And we'll call it Coolypso. <laughs> couple of these tunes, I said literally nothing. I handed him the music and I said, one, two, three, four, and we played it. And I said, that's great. Exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what I want. And some of those takes are are the record, you know, the first or second take where they approached it and I just loved everything they did. So that's that's the keeper. Big, big change from Steely Dan days, you know. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, you know, you look back on your career and even David and myself, there's the studio and there's the stage. And now, uh, given COVID, uh, which is going to be with us, whether we like it or not, there is now the the YouTube, the Zoom artist. We did a show uh, with Larry Grenadier and Larry did, uh, David, he did a magnificent solo performance from the Village Vanguard. And I think, well, David, what do we pay for that? You could pay $10 and up for $10 that? $10 or up. You shot. Oh, it was fabulous. Sound was perfect. And granted, we're watching on our laptops. So Bob Dylan, your former band leader, did a beautiful streaming concert. It was specifically done for, I guess, laptops for YouTube. And uh, the zombies are going to be doing a live show from Abbey Road in in a couple of weeks. Um, What do you think about this? I mean, we're doing a Zoom interview now. I'm sure in five years, this will look like, you know, a movie from the 1920s because Zoom technology will be more sophisticated, obviously, and will improve uh, greatly bandwidth, et cetera. But what about now? This new hybrid platform is, like you say, touring is expensive. COVID regulations vary from state to state, from country to country. It costs a lot of money for any artist to go on the road. If you can't do three or four shows a week, you don't make ends meet. What about this new hybrid uh, platform? I think David Ron Carter was against it. He says we got to play. Yeah, live. Ron wants to play live, and I, I think all of us want to play live. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
but not so in New Jersey. What do you think, uh, Chris, about, you know, example, you know, one night we can watch the Chris Parker trio from the Vanguard with no one in the audience, but we'll put 10 bucks in the, in the bucket. And is that a viable platform for you? It's viable at the moment. Yeah. I- whether I would pay ten bucks uh, so far, and I've discussed this with a lot of lot of folks. The technology has got to get better, yeah. and the sound has got to get better, and the camera work has got to get better to the point where it's a real. I'm, I don't know about interactive. I mean, because you can do a Facebook stream and people can type in, you know, oh, you guys are smoking or whatever. It's got to be more entertainment. I don't know if it's a question of the computer technology getting better right. or the mute side getting better, you know, better sounds and better reproduction of the sounds or better speakers. I don't know. It's probably a little of each of those things or to be worth 10 bucks to see because... I agree with Ron, you know, playing live is the thing. And after these gigs uh, we did recently with the 60s show, playing in front of an audience is the thing, you know, to see reaction and to hear them uh, be surprised at the end of the tune or applaud because somebody took a great solo or just the general enthusiasm, you know, that kind of wafts over you onto the stage. You know, people are really into it and you look out there and people are nodding and grooving and that's really important to the performance. That's really important for the arts to get that kind of feedback. And until you can get that kind of feedback from a Zoom presentation or a streaming or something, I think it's it's not going to be something you want to pay $10 for. I mean, I've watched streaming stuff and because I like the guys and I know they're good players and I've heard them live, I know they're really playing well. You know, I'll contribute 10 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever I think gets, whatever I think can help if I can afford it. But it's got to get a lot better on the techn- technological side to get people to pay even five bucks. You know, it's got to be really worthwhile to sit down in front of your computer or in front of your TV and watch a live stream. And I think generally it's too long. Like I just did a live stream from Facebook August 19th it was, you know, with Amin and Kyoko. We did it live from uh, Eastside Sound. Came out well. Uh, The sound is good and the performances are good, but watching it again, it's too much. You know, I'd rather watch maybe three tunes, not not all ten. Or we did an hour and hour and five minutes, I think it was. You know, that's maybe too long. Uh, Maybe 20 minutes would be good for a stream because everybody's got other things to do. You know, everybody's got other streams they want to watch or you know email they got to answer or and that's just a general thing with the pop with the whole population people don't have as much time or as much free time to do things where they sit still and watch watch the computer without actually interacting with it i think you're absolutely right three things one this has been going on for about 18 months so i definitely do not think Zoom's the answer. Because if Zoom was the answer, they would have fixed the problem. And they haven't. And they've had 18 months to do. That's one. Two, you're right about people with other things to do and lots of things to stream. However, I find it interesting, you know, what's that uh, Dish Network? They have something called The Hopper, where you can record 16 TV shows at the same time. Wow. It it just dawns on me. A, are there 16 TV (laughs) shows worth streaming at the same time? And B, when are you going to watch this stuff so too much it's crazy but the third thing um tom and i about three weeks ago um met with the owner of the cutting room because we're looking to do what we're doing here live there with with an audience 
So do an interview with you and you have your trio there, you play some songs, you get questions. That, but now with COVID again, it's making it difficult. This so, is the problem. This is the problem because all the states, no, no, we don't have a national healthcare system and all the states are autonomous. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. David. But one thing I will say in defense of streaming, obviously now with uh, uh, smart TVs becoming ubiquitous, you can plug your computer into a smart TV. So now you have a flat screen performance. I think what, what Zoom's advantage will be is what the zombies are doing at Abbey Road, they're doing their live show, they're going to have an orchestra with them. So obviously to carry an orchestra around on tour is not cost effective. A, a one-off thing like that. So if I wanted to see, let's say, Chris Parker True with an orchestra and you produce it in such a way, well, hey, that's that's a $15 ticket. I can queue it up on my smart TV and uh, record it and have it. It's worth the money. But as you say, Chris, it's got to be something more engaging than just, uh, you know, just a, a one-hour concert shot from one camera. Yeah, yeah. and the video quality, uh, I mean, I thought the, the guy who did the video, uh, Jeremy Sauber, who did the video for our live stream, did a great job. He focuses on the person taking a solo. He flashes around to everybody so you get a sense of the three of us playing together. But in terms of the, maybe it's the number of pixels, you know, you could, the camera quality, the picture quality could get better. And I think there's room for improvement there. Yeah, I think it's, well, David, we had, we spoke yesterday with Mark Andes of uh, Spirit, and we spoke uh, with uh, Dave Soldier, and we just didn't have good reception, and the sound was dodgy. Today, we have nice, clear reception, and that's up to the, uh, you know, as at and yeah, the satellite. But uh, so, Chris, what does the future hold for you? I mean, you talk about the new record. What, what projects do you have coming down the pipe that we should know about? And our listeners should know about. Well, that's the main project right now. Chris Parker okay. to be mixed and mastered and and get it out there. The '60s show is working. Got a lot of things coming up. A new booking agent they're happy with, and so that's a fun thing to be involved with. There's a, a group called the Sherman Chamber Ensemble that I've been playing with for 25 years. It's Ted Rosenthal on piano and Thompson Nealon on bass and Elliot Balin, Susie Rotholz, uh, and Eddie Barbash on uh, alto that's been doing gigs, concerts in churches and stuff like that over the last couple of years. And hopefully we'll do that again this Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if it's going to happen yet for the same reasons, you know, COVID restrictions. And That was the Astor Piazzolla song, Milongo de la Annoncicion. And that was the Sherman Chamber Ensemble with Chris Parker on drums. This is Notes from an Artist on CygnusRadio.com. But I have other uh, writing things. I'm writing material for uh, an album to come. So that's about it, you know, and I stay busy painting and I have a couple of different websites, you know, that have my sketches and a website that has my art lampoons, they, they're right. called. So between the two avenues, art and music, I, I stay busy. And if one thing is uh, dormant that day, I'll, I'll go to the other. That was Cornell Dupree with Chris Parker on drums. The tune is called Why Is It? And I'm wondering, why is it? This is Notes from an Artist on CygnusRadio.com got two pianos and all my art materials and a fender bass you have a fender bass fender bass exactly <laughs> there you go what else what else does one need what else does one need david a six string bass oh. <laughs> Uh, David, any questions about what we should include on the playlist? Or All right, so let me continue what I think would be a great playlist. Send It, of course. What a great tune. That was Send It by Ashford and Simpson. Yep. Uh, Rainy Night in Tokyo. Oh, yeah, Mike. That was Rainy Night in Tokyo 
from Michael Franks' recording, Passion Fruit. This is Notes from an Artist, CygnusRadio.com. Red Cab uh, with uh, Stephen Bishop. I think that's great. Uh, Painted from Memory. I think that's a brilliant record. You were on that. Wasn't that the back rack Elvis Costello record? Were you on that? Yes. That was really fun. That was the sweetest punch from the brilliant, and I do mean brilliant, painted from memory record with Elvis Costello and Burt Backrack. This is a must-have in everyone's collection. This is Notes from an Artist, CygnusRadio.com. Great writing. And weren't you on Smile, the Laura Nero record? Yep. That was Laura Nero from the Smile album, and it's called Stormy Love. We had a conversation with a couple of guys, uh, Sal Maida and Mitchell Cohn. They just released a book called The 100 Greatest Flop LPs That We All Need to Listen To. And I think was Smile on that list. It didn't make no, the top No, it wasn't. Uh, New York Tenderberry was New York, on that Can you list. believe that? It didn't make the top 100. Isn't that something? <laughs> but Smile was truly a brilliant record. I think that came out with, uh, I think Rachel Farrow did Refugee at that point. And, of course, the first Phoebe Snow record. So you had these three brilliant records uh, with, with a female songwriter, singer. Yeah. It's great stuff. Yeah. Right? The first Phoebe, he, Gordon Edwards, was on the first two Phoebe records, I think. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But then I we'll get into some of your later stuff, too. And, um, you had Freebo on. I watched an excerpt of Freebo's interview, and he and I work with Bonnie Raitt on the road and with Sippy Wallace and Temple yeah. Rick. Johnny Shines, all these people that Bonnie was really great about supporting at the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival. But I haven't seen Freebo in years. It was great to see him. One man, one name. Yes, he refuses to be called that. What is his real name? Like Alan Schwartzberg, right, uh, David? No, no, that's a drummer. (laughs) (laughs) David, what else on our playlist? What else have you got? Oh, gosh, I'm going to look through some of the later stuff. But for me, my my main concern, because I'm old, uh, is <laughs> what turned me on while I was getting into all that I was getting into. And, and I think all of those recordings are, as I say, important recordings for me. Uh, the Michael Franks uh, sessions, you know, Rainy Night in Georgia and when Sly Calls, all that stuff was right. done. Literally the, the same days as uh, my band called Joe Cool. That was, it was Jeff Miranoff on guitar and Will on bass, and Rob right. Mount's keyboard player. Okay. And that, that was a band that I put together, and we were doing our first album in the at the night nighttime, and we would do Michael Franks during the daytime. So we're playing a lot those those weeks. That was Joe Cool, live in Japan, doing Turn Around, Relax. This is Notes from an Artist on CygnusRadio.com. Michael Franks was great to work with and came in with all these tunes and Rob arranged them. And it was, those were fun projects. Skin Dive and Passion. Right. right. Uh, what was that one? Um, now That My Joystick. Yes. <laughs> great tune. It was like almost every other record he did was brilliant. And, but uh, yeah, yeah that, the um, Passion Fruit record, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful recording. So I thought I'd put a couple of tunes together that were not up on the radar, but were really quite cool. First one was Reverend Freak Child doing All I Got. And what you were just listening to was the great Georgie Fame doing Nothing But the Blues. Yep, yep. All right, gentlemen. Well, great talking with you, Chris. But great talking with you, Chris. And one of the things I loved about seeing the 60s show was how many young people were in the audience. So yeah. uh, that's great. That's great that you're, um, you know, you're reaching such a way. It's not just uh, 
folks David and my age. So, you know. It's a fun thing. It's really fun to play that music and uh, stuff that I grew up with, you know, always with my ear to the to the 45 and a little tiny speaker and trying to figure yeah. out what happened was playing. and Or the guy, guy in the zombies. I mean, there's amazing records, amazing records made back then. And, and anything went, you know, try this, try that. Right. Uh, so it's fun. It's a good it's a good band. Nice bunch of guys. Good stuff. All right, Chris, we'll be talking to you soon and we'll let you know when all this stuff goes up and on the air. All right. Thank you so much for all having right. me. Over and out. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for part two of our interview with Chris Parker. A big thank you to Chris and my co-host, Tom Semioli. And I want to remind you to keep an eye out for the new Chris Parker trio recording. We are being sponsored by DR Strings, bass strings, guitar strings, you name it, they got it. They have some of the best strings out there today. And if you have missed any of our previous shows or want to listen again, I also want to let you know that we are archiving all of our shows via our podcast, also titled Notes from an Artist, which you can find on all the major podcast players or at notesfromanartist.buzzsprout.com. This is David Gross, and with co-host Tom Semioli and Chris Parker, thanks for listening, have a great week, so stay tuned, bye-bye now. (laughs) 